So two things have happened over the last, let's say, 30 years that has made our job as photographers here in 2021 much more challenging. First, the field of photography itself has exploded, not only in size, but really in skill and artistry. And number two, we as a culture globally have slowly but surely been trained to become more passive consumers of everything, very much including art. We see a ton of it, right? Not just when we go to museums, but every single day in the regular media, on social media, everywhere around us. We're actually kind of inundated with high quality art. (laughs) And most of the time, we're not interacting with it as much as we are just sort of passively consuming it. So, you know, once upon a time, you would see a really incredible photograph, who knows, once, I mean, maybe, maybe as late as the 60s or 70s, you'd be seeing that every week or something like that. Now we are seeing those just hundreds of them a day all over the place. And that leaves those of us who are trying to make a living as photographers in a really tough spot. So we may be incredibly skilled at what we do, but we're out there competing with a lot of other incredibly skilled photographers, and we're all marketing to people who, on their end of things, are kind of mindlessly scrolling through hundreds or even thousands of photographs every day while they're doing things like standing in line at the grocery store or sitting on the toilet. (laughs) And that is not what you would call an ideal position from which to market yourself, right? Well, today I want to talk about one important thing that you need to be doing consistently to help change the relationship between your brand and your audience. The goal is going to be to move people out of that passive consumption role and into a more active participation and interaction role, which will hopefully eventually lead them to take action on hiring you. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it, and I can show you how. When I open up Instagram and I see the work that the hundreds of you who I follow are putting out there every single day, it truly blows my mind. Photography has come so far as an art form. I'm sure it's some combination of the digital revolution in camera technology, which means that we get, you know, instant feedback from the back of our cameras, so we get better, faster, that sort of thing, coupled with the fact that we have access to a lot of amazing and usually pretty inexpensive online education and, and all of those things have really helped move the needle in photography. Obviously, I am not taking anything away from Irving Penn and Ansel Adams and Diane Arbus. <laughs> the Richard Avedons of the world still hold their place, but I would argue that even they, if they were to, you know, be reincarnated now and become sort of hit the scene now, they would probably have a hard time making names for themselves given sort of the landscape in photography today. But 
While it's easy to kind of feel sorry for ourselves and complain about how competitive the market it is, that's one of those things where if you want to do this work, you just kind of have to put your big kid pants on and deal with it, right? This is not an industry where you get to rest on your laurels anymore. I think it used to be, but these days it is ever-changing, the technology is moving, the trends are moving, and, and as hard as that can be, as challenging as that can be, it also gives us the opportunity and the motivation to be sure that we are constantly learning and evolving, which beyond the benefits that that you know attention has on our business, it also keeps us engaged and fulfilled as artists. And even though it's competitive, it's not impossible to succeed in this industry. You don't need to be the very best photographer in your market to succeed. I mean, <laughs> is being the best even really a thing, right? Art is in the eye of the beholder. But as a professional charging money for your services, obviously you do want to stay up to date with technology and what's going on in the industry. And you always, always, always want to be confident that you are going to be able to deliver on what it is that you promise to your clients. That should be a baseline given if you are at a place where you're charging money. And here's the thing. We all know that there are plenty of photographers out there who definitely are not the best who are earning a real living, even in this crowded market. And I don't want that to be something that you allow (laughs) to drive you crazy, even though I know that that can be really frustrating especially if you are struggling to get clients. You look around, you see people who you're like, I'm better than them. (laughs) Why are they hiring them? Why aren't they hiring me? The truth is that there is plenty of work to go around. I know that that can feel like salt in the wound if you're in that situation where you need more clients, but there is plenty of work to go around. So whether you live in a big city or a small town, if you live in a place with tons of wealthy people, or you you feel like everyone around you has been hit by economic hard times and you're just trying to figure out how you can make your business work, there is a large and at this point still growing market of people who are interested in custom photography and willing to spend money on it. What those people who you see who aren't maybe the best photographers, but they have successful businesses, what they're doing is they are stepping up their game when it comes to reaching out and connecting with paying clients. That's it. When you make it really easy for someone to spend money with you, when you don't confuse them or play hard to get, but instead you use consistent messaging and you create a clear path that helps people solve a problem. In this case, you know, a problem related to wanting to, to get photos, you will have an edge in the market. Even if sort of objectively speaking, you are not the very best at what you do. That's marketing. (laughs) So there are a million pieces of that particular puzzle that we could be talking about today, but what I want to do instead is just focus on one. And I love this one because it's really easy once you start paying attention to it, but it's also kind of shockingly underutilized. So I believe that if you start consistently doing this, 
This one action is going to help differentiate you and your brand from the rest, and it is going to help you grow your client base. And that brings me back to the second issue that I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. Technology has done amazing things for us in so many ways, but it has also made us incredibly passive as consumers, really more so than we as humans have ever been, right? I'm sure, you know, our grandparents would say it started with like listening to stories on the radio and then, you know, the TV was invented and people were watching shows that they weren't having a conversation about. And then, and then of course, the advent of personal computers and now cell phones and social media and like, you know, a million hours of scrolling on TikTok, right? Basically, we spend a large portion of our time consuming entertainment and information that requires no action or participation on our part. And as business owners, that cultural shift means that we start from a position of disadvantage because most people who come across our art on social media are just going to passively scroll on by like they do every other piece of art that they see. So our first job is to get them to stop and take notice. And hopefully (laughs) that's what we're doing with our talent. There are other ways you can do that. You can, you know, make sure that your branding is really sort of evocative or whatever the case may be, but that's not what this conversation is about today. So you want them to stop and get, take notice, but then immediately, and you have so little time to do this. The next thing that you need to do is to try and shift them out of their passive state of mind and into an active state of mind. And we do that by using calls to action. Now, A lot of people associate the phrase call to action with something like a bright red buy now button in on a website or, you know, the guy on the side of the road who's spinning the sign that says come in to get your taxes done. (laughs) And yes, those are both calls to action. But let's just take a minute and think about what that phrase is. It's literally a, a call to action is literally just you asking someone to do something, to take action, to participate. So a call to action can be as small as getting someone to think about something or as big as getting them to, you know, take out their credit card and give you money, or it can be anywhere in between. But when you help someone shift from a passive mindset to an active one, they go from seeing you and just sort of blankly looking at you to interacting with you. And over time, if they are interacting with you regularly, their perception of your brand is going to change. They're going to begin to buy in, even if they've never actually purchased anything from you. And eventually, if your calls to action periodically do invite them to buy something from you, they eventually will. So, What I want you to start doing is asking people to interact with you anywhere and everywhere that you go. And I want you to put these calls to action in all these places, but not be, 
I don't want you to be repetitive. That's, first of all, it's going to feel disingenuous to you, right? If you've got that like buy now flashing sign and you say it over and over and over again, there will be a certain amount of repetition. It might feel repetitive to you, but you're going to vary your calls to action and you're going to make them, you're going to use language that is authentic to you and that is reflective of your brand. So, you know, it's not necessarily going to be buy now. It might be something along the lines of I have you know, an opening on my calendar next Saturday. If you're interested in booking a session, give me a call. Here's my number or, you know, send me an email at this address. And those calls to action are also not all going to be asking people to buy. So let's say that in 10 calls to action, one of those 10 is going to be very small. Like think of a time when you blah, blah, blah. So this, that would be maybe the caption of an Instagram post. And you're never going to know whether somebody took action on that, but chances are somebody will. You know, they're going to be scrolling through. They're going to see the caption that starts with, think of a time. It's going to kind of grab their attention along with your photo. And you're, you know, you're inviting them to kind of participate just a little bit. It's a baby step. And because it's so small, because you're not actually asking them to do anything, they can do that without having to get very far out of their passive mindset. So one out of 10 times, you're just asking for something so small, but you might get traction with a new person that way. The next couple out of 10 should be still small, but actually invite people to interact with you. So you're not asking for anything big, you know, hit like if you blah, 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 or you know, hit the reply button to my email and tell me about a time when da da da. It doesn't cost them anything. Couple of seconds. You know, you try and make these things fun. These are where you try to be engaging and sort of let your personality shine through. So those are good for just creating that connection. And then four out of the 10. So we've done one extremely small, two pretty small. These next four are going to be slightly bigger. They're still not involving money, but they're going to be things like they're going to take that person off the page where they currently are. So you're going to ask them to click the link in your bio to go to your website or another page to read about something else. You're going to ask them to forward your the email that they just read to a friend. So they have to think who that friend is and, you know, sit down and fill out their, you know, write why they're sending it to them, whatever. It's a little bit of an ask. You could ask someone to write you a review. You could point out a freebie that you've created as a lead magnet on your website and tell them to go download the freebie. All of those things, again, they don't cost money, but they are significant actions that you're asking someone to take. And then that's seven. So one small, two a little bit bigger, four a little bit bigger, and then those final three out of 10 should invite people to spend money with you. So, you know, if you're gonna be running mini sessions next month, you're sending them to the registration link. If you have openings on your calendar, you're inviting them to call you and book you. If you sell art prints, maybe you're linking to your online store. And I, you know, I know it can be tempting <laughs> to stick entirely to those non-monetary calls to action and just kind of hope that people will see your photos and they will engage enough with you and your brand that eventually they're, they will unasked reach out to you and say, okay, I'm ready to book you. 
Because none of us wants to feel like we're the guy on the corner with the spinning sign, right? But you would be shocked, if you don't already know this, to see the data that's out there about how much more frequently people actually purchase things when they're told to buy now. The reason that guy stands out on the corner is that it triggers something deep in our brains that says, oh yeah, I need to get my taxes done. It's not, it has nothing to do with the fact that that person on the corner convinced us to get it done. It's just a trigger that reminds us to buy now. So you need to be periodically reminding people that they can and should spend money with you, that you are... (laughs) You know, you're not here to just provide entertainment that you sell what you do and that they should sign up to spend money with you. And I know that everyone out there, you know, they know on some level that you're in business, but on another kind of deeper level in their brains, sometimes people just need to be triggered to take action and actually spend money. And again, To reiterate from what I said before, around 30% or one out of every three or four emails that you um, send or one out of every three or four posts that you make, things like that, those should have an actual money-related call to action from you. And zero of them need to use the words buy now. It can be a much more casual call to action, but you want it to be there. You want to remind them that you sell products for money. So that is it. That is today's assignment. And that is my call to action to you. I want you to make sure that you have calls to action embedded absolutely everywhere in your emails, your web copy, your blog posts, and most especially on your social media. Is that going to turn into instant sales? (laughs) Probably not, but it is going to help humanize you. And the more that someone interacts with you, the more they are going to feel connected to you. And I know that that connection may seem small, but I promise you it can be really powerful. Well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode, along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.